Bretto, the Brisbane Wellness Base Camp is done, but that doesn't mean it's all over because we're coming to Adelaide. Hey, Adelaide. We love Adelaide. The first Wellness Couch event in Adelaide and a very special announcement is that your mate, the great Damien Christoph, and my mate, 100 Not Out mate, is coming to join us. Oh, it's going to be a ripper. We twisted his arm. We forced him to come along. And he's great, Damo. He's always funny. Don't tell him I said that. But he's always a wealth of information as well. And people love him. He's just got a great way of getting the nutrition message across in a way that allows people to make real sustainable changes. You know, it wasn't that uh, you had to twist his arm. He had the FOMOs and not coming to Brisbane. So he's jumping (laughs) on the plane, coming over to Adelaide. It's Saturday, April 7. Two for one tickets are available with the code... I love Damo. That's 197 bucks for two tickets, less than 100 bucks per person. Saturday, April 7th in Adelaide. Damien Christoph, Kim Morrison, JP and Andy from Smashed Avocado, Brett Hill, myself. Saturday, April 7th, the Wellness Base Camp. Get your two for one tickets with the code I love Damo. Bretto, see you there. See you there. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to The Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Today's podcast is going to be a little different because I'm going to be going solo in today's episode. And the reason why I'm going solo is because I want to recap on an event that I attended last weekend here in Brisbane uh, in Australia, where I was one of the uh, guest speakers at a wellness uh, event called the Wellness Base Camp here in Brisbane. And I wanted to share, I guess, a little bit about the talk that I spoke about at the event because I had uh, quite a few people sort of sending me messages that they wanted to come but they weren't able to come. They were either working on holidays or in different states and countries around the world. So I just wanted to, I guess, yeah, share a little bit about what I spoke about at that event. And, of course, if you've been following my podcast for a little while or my blog or my page or anything like that, you know that I'm very obsessed about sleep and some of the consequences that occur as a result of ongoing sleep deprivation, which is incredibly relevant for those of us who work uh, shift work, which is why the, the I guess, the introduction to my talk was asking the audience this question of, are you getting by on five to six hours of sleep and maybe even less? Because I want you to kind of really think about that and ask yourself, you know, upfront, honest, is this you? Are you sort of consistently running on this uh, minimum of five to six hours or less for some people? Because I know that occasionally we have to do it for various different types of reasons, but when it's this ongoing, um, consistently losing this type of uh, amount of sleep, uh, it's it's certainly going to be detrimental for our health and it's why I wanted to ask uh, those in the audience this question and, and I guess because I'm now in the podcast, I'm wanting to ask you guys the same question. Uh, if you are, you know, if you can relate to that, are you getting by on five to six hours of sleep or maybe even less? And 
if if you put your hand up and say, well, yes, that is me, well, you're certainly not alone. Uh, from our statistics from an Australian perspective, there is a staggering 40 to 50% of Australians who suffer from insomnia or poor quality sleep at any given time, which is quite staggering. And when we mean, well, when we refer to insomnia, this means that um, they might be having trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or maybe even a combination uh, of both. So if it's, this is something that you can actually resonate with, then yeah, you're going to sort of get some value from what I'm going to share on the, today's podcast. I guess probably what's most frightening at the moment, however, is that the World Health Organization has now declared a sleep loss epidemic throughout industrialized nations. And according to um, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, this is even back in 2011, almost 1 million Australians are taking some form of anti-anxiety, hypnotic or sedative medication to help with their sleep. Now, you know, these include but are certainly not limited to uh, things like antihistamines, certain antidepressants and benzodiazepines, which is a little scary, to be honest, given some of these medications come with negative side effects, particularly if you've been on them uh, in the long term. Now, these is just obviously Australian statistics that I'm, you know, quoting here. And I know a lot of my audience uh, are Australian based, but at the same time, I know that there's a lot of other people that listen from all walks of life or from all different parts of the world, Canada, United States, uh, Malaysia, uh, Indonesia, parts of Europe. So I know that there are probably the statistics that I share with you in reference to Australia is probably going to be similar, uh, you know, to where you live at at the moment as well. So in today's uh, episode, I just really want to share with you just three things. And those things are going to be what happens when we're sleep deprived, how much sleep do we actually need, and some actionable steps to help you to improve your sleep. But before I get into the nitty-gritty uh, of my uh, of this episode, I'd like to share a little about my story and what led me to become so fascinated and passionate about sleep, or I guess sleep deprivation, uh, just so that you kind of do feel that you are um, in, in good hands when you're listening to me. So for those of you who aren't aware, my background is in the aviation industry. I've worked for three different airlines over 20 years. Uh, at um, as uh, ground staff here at Brisbane Airport, so in ground operations. And the majority of that time, actually 18 years of it, included working shift work. So as a result, there was plenty of sleep deprivation going on because my shifts would vary from starting anywhere from 3 a.m. Uh, and yes, that's starting at 3 a.m., not getting up at 3 a.m. Uh, and would finish maybe around somewhere around lunchtime to starting around lunchtime and maybe finishing later that night. Or there were times when I worked at the international terminal uh, where our shifts would start at 8.30 at night and finish around 4.30 in the morning. So that really was the true um, night shift and certainly, um, yeah, not lots of fun for anyone out there that works shift work at, at, uh, or night shift. It's, it's certainly very challenging. 
But despite this, you know, I genuinely love my job. I love being around people. I love the buzz of the airport environment. I love uh, helping people. It's it's certainly something that um, I enjoy doing. And like a lot of shift workers out there, we we kind of get into that designated occupation, not because of the shift work per se, but it's because we've yeah, maybe always wanted to work in the police force or, you know, maybe always wanted to um, be a nurse or always wanted to um, be a doctor or a paramedic or, or whatever it is uh, for you. It's it's the, the passion that we have for the industry that we want to work in really kind of supersedes uh, the hours, I guess, uh, that we, you know, end up having to work. But I guess it wasn't until the latter years of my career when I was working uh, as a trainer for Qantas that I I guess I became a little bit disillusioned because although I was delivering uh, corporate training programs that were enhancing the knowledge and skill base of the staff, I felt that they were needing more. In other words, they were really needed help in learning how to stay healthy whilst running on minimal sleep. So, to cut a long story short, it's the main reason why I ended up deciding to undertake a science degree uh, at the tender age of 39, which is a bit crazy in hindsight. Uh, and that science degree, uh, a bachelor degree, majored in nutritional medicine. And I chose that particular degree um, so that I could learn kind of all that I needed to learn in order to be able to give back to my profession and in relation to the nutritional side of it is that, you know, let's face it, when we're tired, we tend to eat crap food. And as shift workers, that's what most of us tend to kind of fall into that spiral of eating the highly processed, high carbohydrates, um, you know, uh, refined carbohydrates foods that end up kind of making us even more unwell uh, because we get caught into that um, vicious cycle. So off I went to university and began studying this science degree, majoring in nutritional medicine. However, halfway through my degree, uh, I have to say my focus completely changed because of the majority of my focus always going into this degree uh, was always, um, you know, going to be on sleep deprivation or shift work in some way. So all of my assignments, all of my research and so forth was always very, very uh fine-tunely laser-focused on having that shift work twist, that sleep deprivation twist. Um, And unfortunately, though, the more that I read and researched, the more that my heart began to sink because I kept coming across all of this research that highlighted uh, some of the negative associations with sleep loss and working irregular hours. And there were even moments when I actually became quite emotional. Tears would even welt up in my eyes because I had literally just spent two decades of my life working shift work and I had absolutely no idea, like many people who run on little sleep, about some of these negative effects. And there was just all of this research that I was reading Uh, all of these clinical trials that's been undertaken by all of these researchers, which is awesome, but the results wasn't or still isn't getting filtered down and shared with those who need to know it, know about it the most, you know, those that are actually on the front line and those that are working the irregular hours because we 
we, you know, it's not as if this is something that is, you know, mentioned to us at our job interview of some of these effects of working these irregular hours. And for I myself, like I, my background was in aviation, so there was absolutely no need for me at any point in my life uh, for me to read these research articles. And so it's for this very reason that the majority of my focus is now more on creating that awareness through education on some of the ill effects of ongoing sleep deprivation and some of the things that we can help to alleviate some of these effects because it's rampant in society today. And I'm not even just talking about shift workers here. Uh, Due to many things, more and more of us are just burning the candle at both ends Uh, Or as I say, for shift workers, we kind of set fire to the bit in the middle as well. Uh, We just push and push ourselves and poor little sleep kind of gets pushed down the priority. Uh, And in society today, you know, it really is getting worse and we're not talking about it enough. And that's why I've really um, changed my, I guess, focus and direction a little bit uh, on wanting to talk about this because it's not spoken about enough yet it's critically important that we do so uh, in order to kind of help alleviate some of the effects. So what happens exactly when we're sleep deprived besides looking crap when we look in the mirror? Um, Yeah well I guess I'm going to warn you that as a nutritionist I'm not going to sugarcoat this because this information needs to get out there. And I could say that I don't want to scare you, but in a way I kind of do because I think that in order for us to change our behaviours and our actions, we if, if I kind of sugarcoat things and make it sound all airy-fairy, then it's less likely that you know, you're going to do something about it. And I really want each and every one of you that's listening to this podcast today to really understand some of the the ramifications that I'm about to share with you. And I'm only scratching the surface. I mean, my talk was limited to only about 20 minutes at the wellness event. So I couldn't really go into all of the detail, um, but I'm just going to share a few of the things. So what happens when we're sleep deprived? Well, it certainly uh, makes us more prone to developing things like cardiovascular disease. Long-term insufficient sleep puts our body into a state of fight or flight, otherwise known as sympathetic dominance. Now, what happens in this particular um, stress response state is that this raises our blood pressure and increases our heart rate, increasing our risks of heart attack and stroke. Now, I want to share a study with you Uh, that I found that showed participants who were sleeping six hours uh, or less were 400 to 500% more likely to suffer from one or more cardiac arrests. And this is pretty frightening stuff. So essentially, when you think about it, sleep is the best form of blood pressure medication that we can take. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't come with any side effects, but it's going to help to lower your blood pressure. Ongoing sleep deprivation also makes us prone to obesity and type 2 diabetes. And look, there's multiple mechanisms um, for that. I'm just going to share a few. Uh, one is that poor or inefficient sleep slows down our metabolism. Uh, you know, where metabolism is where our calories are converted into energy. And this, uh, because it slows down, it leaves all of this unexpended energy to be stored as fat. 
And number two, it poor uh, sleep increases our appetite. And it does this because sleep deprivation is a type of endocrine or hormone disruptor. It disrupts the regulation of our hunger hormones or our appetite regulating hormones, ghrelin and leptin. Now, ghrelin is a, a hormone that is uh, released from our stomach and it tells our brain when we're feeling hungry. The only problem is when we're running on little sleep, this hormone ghrelin actually uh, increases more than it should. So we get these signals telling us that we're actually quite hungry when really we're not. Uh, Also, the other uh, appetite regulating hormone is called leptin. Now, this hormone is uh, stored and released in our fat cells. And this hormone actually sends uh, signals to our brain telling us when we're feeling full. The problem, however, is when we're sleep deprived, this hormone leptin gets suppressed. So we don't end up receiving that signal telling us we're feeling full. So you can see here we're getting all of these skewed uh, signals, one telling us we're hungry when really we're probably not as hungry as we think we are. And then the other one is leptin, which is telling us that when we're feeling full, but that hormone is getting suppressed. So we're not getting that signal. And this, of course, can end up leading us to overeat. It can make us end up uh, having larger portion sizes and also, uh, unfortunately, ends up overeating all of the the wrong stuff, which leads me to number three, because poor sleep also craves us to, uh, you know, eat all the bad stuff, which I'm sure uh, everyone listening to this podcast can relate to, whether that's the cakes, the cookies, uh, the hamburgers, the fries, uh, the lollies. You name it, uh, it's all the bad stuff. It says processed carbohydrates, the, the sugared kind of food. Uh, and unfortunately, though, when we are sleep deprived, what happens is that it increases an, an area in the brain that responds directly to reward seeking behavior. So we kind of seek out those, you know, the bad stuff, the, the uh, high sugar foods. But at the same time, it's also blunting a different area of the brain that is required to make complex complex judgments and decisions so that's getting suppressed whereas we kind of head off to that reward seeking uh, behavior so you can tell it's you know just with this whole sleep deprivation that really is kind of impacting on your ability to uh, think well and make you know complex decisions so that leads me to cognitive function because sleep is absolutely crucial for our ability to learn and remember things. Uh, and it helps to remove uh, the buildup of toxic waste, which accumulates throughout the day via what's called our glymphatic system, which is really just a fancy way of saying the brain's own waste disposal system. Because during sleep, the this glymphatic system uh, becomes 10 times more active Uh, And the cells of our brain actually shrink in size by approximately 60%, which provides space uh, within our brain so that this cerebral spinal fluid or CSF is able to wash through our brain and remove the toxins from the brain more efficiently. It's fascinating stuff. And please just remember that this sort of only occurs when we're sleeping. And one of these toxins that is removed during this washing process includes a protein fragment called beta amyloid, which is strongly implicated in the implication of Alzheimer's disease. So 
please, please, for those of you who are listening to this podcast right now, that I appreciate that given the hours that you work, there are moments when you have to push through and perhaps run on little sleep. But for those that time when you know you're the one that's in the driving seat here and it's all about you prioritizing your sleep and making the decisions to sleep, um, please understand that making that priority to sleep each time you voluntarily choose to, you know, stay on social media for a little bit longer or whatever and to skimp on your sleep, you're preventing your brain from doing this phenomenally um, brain remove uh, toxic waste um, disposal in your brain, which is something that as human beings, our body has evolved to do for thousands of years. Something also that I noticed in the research, and I think I found this in the research, but we don't even need to quote research because I think we can all kind of relate to this, is that what happens is when we run on little sleep, um, it reduces our empathy, which can end up making us say and do things that we wouldn't ordinarily do if we'd had sufficient sleep. The problem with this, however, is that over time, it can have devastating effects on those around us and who we love the most. So I think it's important for us to be mindful and be aware of um, our speech and the words that come out of our mouth when we are running on little sleep because it's often not something that we would ordinarily say had we had sufficient sleep. So I guess I'd like to say that and reiterate the fact that, you know, insufficient sleep affects every area of your life. It affects everything. It affects everyone. And it affects every aspect of your biology. So how much sleep do we actually need? Well, it's kind of the million-dollar question. Uh, It can vary depending on our age and gender. But for adults, sleep deprivation, you know, is really defined as uh, something that, um, sorry, for adults, sleep deprivation is really defined if you're kind of getting less than seven hours sleep a night. There are people, however, out there that, can run on little sleep and you might be saying oh well that's me I'm definitely someone that can uh, and interestingly enough uh, those that uh, hold what's called a DCE2 gene which is involved in circadian clock regulation um, seem to be able to run on that sort of five to six hours sleep and the reason is according to the research is, is research is that they've noticed that those who hold this gene Uh, their brain is able to induce um, more efficient sleep, thereby allowing people with this this gene mutation to thrive on very little sleep. What happens is that those who carry this gene, the researchers have noticed that they're able to do that brain washing that I was mentioning before a lot more efficiently uh, on less sleep as opposed to those that don't have that particular gene. So how do we get more sleep? Well, of course, this is easier said than done, and I appreciate it depends on your roster. It depends on the type of work that you do. It depends on so many things. But 
for me, it, it's very much as I'm working with each and all of my clients, it's very much looking at, you know, how we can sort of focus on the things that we can change as opposed to those that we can't. So for many of us, um, our priorities are skewed when it comes to sleep. As I mentioned at the beginning of the uh, podcast, that often our poor little sleep gets pushed down uh, to the bottom. And what happens is that kind of we put work up the top and then it might be nutrition, which is great, and then it might be exercise, which is also good, but poor little sleep kind of gets registered as number four down the bottom and just sort of pushed to the side and we'll just keep doing things and staying up later and later and because I've got to, you know, answer this email at 2 a.m. or whatever, that we just sort of keep thinking that we can push, you know, and push through. When really we need to be sort of flicking that uh, order of priorities around uh, to what I said before. So really we should be putting sleep first, then nutrition, then exercise, and then work. Now, for some of you listening, you might think, my goodness, you know, Audrey's a nutritionist and she put nutrition under sleep. And I have, I've intentionally done, I've intentionally put sleep first and here's why and I want to explain to you why. Because if you were to go without eating for three days, which please understand I'm not contoning this behavior and I'm not recommending you do this. It's not some fancy new diet for 2018. I'm just merely using it as an example that if you were not to eat for three days, you would definitely feel a little bit nauseous. You would be losing weight, probably muscle mass. Um, but generally speaking, you know what? You'd still be okay. But if you went three days without uh, sleep deprivation, you would barely be able to function and you'd begin to hallucinate. So that really does help to reiterate to each and every one of us of how important sleep is to our health and well-being. Our body definitely needs sleep and we can't keep pushing and pushing ourselves to run on this little sleep uh, and not expect consequences as a as a result. Now, at the event, I put up a scr- uh, onto the screen uh, a picture of somebody that was in their bed in the complete darkness, but they were on their mobile phone. And I asked the audience, you know, is this you? Can you relate to this image? And I want you to be absolutely honest with yourself. And there were a few people in the crowd that definitely squirmed in their chairs and could definitely relate. Uh, probably I'd say about 80% of the audience and maybe the other 20% were in denial. <laughs> but uh, being on the mobile phones when we should be sleeping is something that is totally new to this world that we live in that sort of didn't exist even 10 years ago. Um, but the problem with this situation is that when you are on your mobile phone, so picture this, you're in your bedroom and all the lights are off, but you're, you're on your mobile phone. What's happening is that that bright light that is being emitted from your smartphone is suppressing uh, your melatonin levels, which is a hormone that's absolutely necessary for sleep. However, at the same time that it's doing this, it's also raising another hormone called cortisol. Now, this is a stress hormone, which you really don't want to be elevating when you're trying to sleep. Because this pretty much is sending signals to your brain that it's daylight and it's not time for sleep. So my, uh, I guess, message to each and every one of you is please leave your electronic 
uh, devices out of your bedroom. If you're really serious about wanting to improve your sleep and improve the quality of your sleep, then uh, this sort of uh, um, small step of just leaving all the electronic stuff out of your bedroom is is so important. And some of you might say, but my mobile phone is my alarm clock. Well, yes, I understand that. But there are certainly other ways that you can use an alarm clock and it doesn't have to be your mobile phone. This was also, I wanted to mention um, that there is this 30-day uh it's called a break up your phone challenge and I kind of shared it um with my uh the audience Uh, I'm just sorry I'm just typing it into google now to bring it up again it's 30 down break 30 day break your phone challenge I think it's called so I'm just bringing it up now so that I can actually give you uh the web address to can't find it now it's called how to break up with your phone okay so yeah if you type into google how to break up with with your phone by Catherine price she's actually developed this uh, 30-day program that you can actually follow Uh, and it does include buying a book Uh, you can um, order it a hard copy or have it on online personally i recommend the online given what this challenge is about is to break up with your phone now please don't panic it's not about not ever being on your mobile phone ever again but it's just really looking at your behaviors and on how much that you're using your phone and how that you can maybe change some of that behaviors uh, particularly when it comes to you know getting uh, much better sleep what i also spoke about on the day was getting more vitamin d uh, and that's not vitamin d as in sunlight which you know we all talk about we all hear about the importance of vitamin d and it is actually even important when it comes to sleep but i want to talk about uh, vitamin d as in vitamin d for darkness because no one's talking about this um because it's one of the biggest problems that we're facing in society today and it refers to i guess just that mobile phone in the bed that i was talking about before is that we are just being exposed to too much light Basically, we're experiencing severe light toxicity. We've got so many gadgets, the iPad, the iPhone, the laptops, the TV, etc., which is leading to this overstimulation of our nervous system. Remember, I mentioned before, what happens is that it elevates our cortisol levels. And this puts us into this kind of hypervigilant state, preventing us from being able to really switch off, relax, and sleep well. So prioritizing your room so that you whenever you're going to bed and I know this is a lot harder obviously with during the day but really kind of bunking your bed down so that it becomes a bit of a cave uh, like um, scenario so that you actually uh, can actually fall asleep so that the melatonin production can kick in and that you're not going to uh, have any light filtering into your eye that's going to prevent you from falling asleep. And I did mention on the day, I actually gave away a couple of um, sleep masks that can help with you. For those of you who have to particularly sleep during the day, uh, I have trialed and tested many, many sleep masks over the years. Uh, I've even trialed them on my husband, who is a shift worker as well, uh, to get his perspective on a good mask. And I've definitely found what I refer to as the Rolls-Royce, Mercedes-Benz, Jaguar, whatever 
fancy car it is that you like uh, in regards to sleep mask and it's called the Sleep Master Mask. Now it is made by an American company um, but it's just the most beautiful uh, comfortable mask that just completely wraps around your head. There's no kind of loose little straps or anything and you kind of don't wake up with it around your neck and it even kind of blocks out, covers your ears as well so it helps to kind of muffle that sound. So uh, yeah, I would definitely go ahead and um, go online and uh, lo- uh, type in Sleep Master Mask uh, and you should be able to be directed to be able to purchase it from wherever you are in the world. They're amazing. So I just to, I guess, wrap it up, I, I just want to, I guess, share a quote uh, because I think when it comes to our sleep and our health, we really are overcomplicating things in many ways um, and that sleep is, is just a form of relaxation. So when it comes to our ability to fall asleep and stay asleep, we have to be relaxed. Yet so many of us today, when we go to bed, and want to try to get to sleep, we're anything but relaxed. We're super stressed because we've got so many things going on. We're overwhelmed in information and commitments, and we're overstimulated by so many electronic gadgets 24-7. So please kind of keep that in mind, that in order to sleep and sleep well, we must be relaxed. So it's about finding some uh, rituals for you in that sort of you know, half an hour or hour leading up to when you sleep, you really have to start implementing strategies to wind down, to really start slowing your body right down to kind of get it into that relaxed state in order for you to uh, get to sleep. Because if you don't, uh, you kind of just expect to, you know, have a shower, jump into bed, turn off the light and expect to go to sleep straight away. Well, that's unlikely to happen unless of course you are in extreme exhaustion and fall asleep straight away uh that tells you that you are very sleep deprived if that happens but generally for most people it doesn't happen and it can end up leading to a bit of tossing and turning and not being able to kind of fall asleep and and waking up and so forth so relaxation uh, leading up to your time to sleep is super important and i also want to i guess lead with a parting comment to tell you that it's and give you permission that it's absolutely okay for you to rest you know being kind to you know yourself and you know helping your body to kind of get into that nourishing and restorative sleep you know is so important because as you know i've i've already shared with you um, bits into this podcast about the relationships between cardiovascular disease and you know, obesity and type 2 diabetes and, you know, cognitive function, um, you know, and so forth. It's all there. It's all there in the research. But, of course, you know, I, I also want to reiterate that, uh, you know, just because it's, um, I guess, association does not necessarily mean causation. So we can't necessarily pinpoint that one thing is going to, you know, lead you to getting cardiovascular disease. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's that it's, you know, the lack of sleep is one factor, but it's one very important factor. And it's why uh, what makes shift workers kind of prone to these kind of conditions. And it generally concerns me. And I, I, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is to try to get out there and create this awareness uh, and let people know that, 
you are kind of prone to these sorts of things so that I'm hoping that it will empower you to hopefully give you the knowledge to make better decisions and better choices so that you are, you know, taking, uh, you know, good care of your health. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we can't get by on five to six hours of sleep and expect not to have negative consequences of, you know, on our health as a result. And remember that, you know, we only have this one life, this one amazing life that we've been given. It's not a dress rehearsal. We only get one shot at it. So please, please take care of you and, you know, and obviously, you know, those around you and those that you love and cherish the most, uh, which often don't understand or appreciate just how hard it is to work shift work. But prioritising our sleep is one of our most basic human needs that we need and is so critically important for anyone out there who works 24-7. So that's it for today's edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I hope you found some value in today's episode. It's a little different. I'm kind of freestyling it a little bit more. As I said, I was going solo, but I, I wanted to share some of the content that I spoke about at the wellness event last weekend because I know that there's many of you obviously that could not attend uh, and it was uh, an awesome day, lots of other different speakers there as well. Uh, so, yeah, but feel free if you've found that this episode particularly helpful, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit. Uh, and if you really liked the show and found the content helpful, uh, it would be great if you could go ahead and leave me a rating in iTunes as uh, on the Healthy Shift Worker podcast as this will help my podcast to gain an even wider reach globally with shift workers and organisations all around the world. Until next time, may you be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.